Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Booze Hustle. This is the podcast where we talk to people in and around the wine and spirits industry or just, you know, people I want to talk to about booze. Uh, And I'm your host, Kristen. This week, we have uh, a great guest, good friend of mine. Um, Really, really honored that he took the time out of his insane schedule to do this interview with me. Um, Every time I feel like I'm doing too much and that, like, I have too much on my plate because... Uh, FYI, I do have too much on my plate. Um, I talk with somebody like Tim and I feel like a little bit equalized. I don't know. Is that a crazy thing to say? Uh, Just because he's the definition of doing a lot of things at once. Um, Tim Cabral is a restaurant industry, hospitality, bar, uh, he hates the word mixology, so I'm not going to use that, veteran, uh, but somebody who got his start at a very early age, just a true definition of a hustler. Um, He and I have very similar uh, backgrounds and, you know, origin stories, so I've always related um, to him in a lot of ways, Um, although he would probably say he's slightly more surly than I am in real life. Uh, But yeah, he's actually in the process right now of uh, opening a really large project, uh, a restaurant with a partner in New Haven, Connecticut called Joya, which means joy in Italian. He's also the co-owner of Ordinary, which is a incredible cocktail bar in New Haven. Uh, It has been written about in... I don't know, Travel and Leisure, Food and Wine, New York Times, Uh, even though he does not, like, read the accolades, talk about them, he doesn't even acknowledge them. (laughs) Um, What else has he done? He does a million things. He's the co-founder of New Haven Cocktail Week, uh, which is this really incredible um, community-building cocktail-focused program where every summer they get a bunch of venues to participate and they bring in a bunch of brands and uh, everyone gets to have great cocktails and seminars and education. Um, and it's a lot of fun. But yeah, I talked to him this week about how he got his start in the business, um, you know, his philosophy on juggling so many things at once and, you know, what some of the greater challenges are in working in restaurants today. We had a really great chat and I hope you enjoy the episode. Cheers. You don't do interviews. You don't. You, Not too many. You're doing this begrudgingly and I appreciate that. <laughs> Recently, I went on like a Chef Plum show. Yeah. Which actually turned out to be fun. It was uh, Jade from Oyster. Port-a-Call. Oh, yeah, Portacol. Oyster, Portacol, uh, myself, and um, Justin Morales. And we just sat around and talked shit, and that was a lot of fun. And after he asked me if I wanted to go in his, I was like, uh, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed that experience. Yeah, it was actually really fun. I mean, we just, Chef Plum, he's a fun dude. It was, it was fun. We, we just talked shit for an hour. Yeah. I, well, it's interesting that you'll go on a show like that or a podcast like this, but then when your bar is recognized internationally, oh, I hate in, it. you hate it, right? Like, what publication was that? Yeah. Not that I hate, uh, there's been a few. New York Times, kind of nasty. Yeah. They're like, a few of those types of things. Let's, let's talk about your, your success of your, of your, um, you know, different ventures. You're like, no, thank you. <laughs> well, because my problem is, like, I greatly appreciate it and I get very really excited to see it and the acknowledgement. But then my head goes straight to all the shit that I'm not doing well enough mm-hmm. or the things that we're behind on or what we didn't roll out when we were supposed to or information the staff hasn't gotten. Or So, like, my head instantly goes to, yeah, cool, but there's still a lot of shit we can do better. So that's where I've always struggled with yeah, why? Praise, why do we do that? Do well with. 
why do we do that? I mean, for the longest time, I told me, told myself that I used it to just like drive myself to do more. Hmm. And then I think it's just bullshit. And I think, I don't know what the problem is. I actually saw a really good meme the other day, like an analogy about taking a compliment. And it was like, um, I take a compliment the way you try to put a, a really wrinkled dollar bill into a machine. It's like, just doesn't, doesn't go in. <laughs> that is actually really good. Yeah. yeah, I've never done well with it. I just don't like it. Yeah, I feel like we have to, it, there's something in the in-between that we have to get better at because I'm I'm the same way. I'm really bad at pausing and like appreciating like any successes that I've had. Instead, I'm just like, what what have I not done that I had on my list of things to do? And like, I don't know, that's a shitty way to live your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Well, I mean, like you got, we got to be outwardly yeah. positive. I don't know. I'm very, I'm very philosophical today. I've, I've had some deep conversations in the last two days. And, um, one of the, one of them was with my friend who worked in the bar industry for a long time. And he, he's younger than me. And he kept on saying how old he is. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, oh I'm so old. I was like, bro, like you're the youngest you're ever going to be in your entire life. I even texted that to you yesterday. I was like, we gotta, we gotta change our mindsets. Like otherwise, Man. Bar years are real though. They're like dog years. <laughs> like it'll definitely fucking it'll definitely age you. That's true. I, I mean, it does. Part of it is, I mean, I don't know. Like you leave so much of yourself, like with the interaction of the guests in space, where you're fucking taxed at the end of it. So I think that alone just, you yeah, know, that'll age an individual over time. And I've been in this industry for a long ass time. Yeah, it's like you're shooting yourself to a parallel dimension where you actually don't exist because you're putting a mask on and you're not being yourself. <laughs> For sure. Or even if you are yourself, you're you're still giving up that much of yourself that you don't leave for anybody else outside of work or yourself as an individual. Like, even if it is your real you. Like, I have one gentleman who's been with me since the beginning of Ordinary, and he puts on a character every day he comes in. So I know how draining it is on him. Mm-hmm. Unless it's starting off deep. I don't want to be distracting, but my... Well, I'm going to fix that right now. My bearded dragon is literally crawling the sides of the tank and throwing rocks around right now. Like, what the fuck <laughs> is he doing? <laughs> Can you hear that? Like, he literally just checked a rock. No. <laughs> so, uh, I guess, like, maybe for our listeners, um, I know you, and I forget other everyone in the world doesn't know you, but um, do you mind telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? I don't even know what to call you. I was thinking about, like, what it... What do I put next to your name? What is your preferred, I don't know, title? Not title, but like... I don't know. Hospitality guy? <laughs> I'm tired. My name is Tim. Okay. <laughs> uh, what else? Where do I go for there? Uh, one of the owners at Ordinary in New Haven. We just hit our 10-year mark. Ordinary is a cocktail bar for people who don't live in Connecticut. Yeah. Um, also partners in a hotel project in Hartford with Tyler Anderson, also partners with New Haven Cocktail Week, which is about to launch next month, which you are a part of, mm -hmm. and also opening a new restaurant next month called Joya. Which is a, a, so a bear to open. It's one word for it. It's been a, it's been a lot of things. Yeah. We're right on schedule a year and a couple months late. <laughs> <laughs> right on schedule but now we are we are close we were waiting for a couple things last week that came through we have our first fire walkthrough tomorrow hopefully we get the co inspection the week following and then we could really start plugging forward but it's coming together yeah i mean you're you're the definition of somebody who's got a lot on their plate and this project that you're working on now just to tell the listeners like this is not just like oh just like you know a 20 seat restaurant like this is a uh, Quite the undertaking. I was telling somebody the other day about it. I was like, they're doing gel like walk-up gelato. There's a rooftop deck. There's a bar. There's Is there pizza ovens? Did I get that right? Pizza ovens? Maybe? Yeah, so there's a rooftop that's like a split-level four-season. It'll be all year round, hopefully, like 80 seats. A market that turns into private dining. A big bar restaurant. And then we decided to blow a hole in the side of the building to do a walk-up gelato window. So, yeah, there's a, a lot of moving pieces to what this one is. And the Good funny thing is, like, when my partner and I, we were, you know, COVID hit. Him and I, we've been talking about doing something for years together. And we started to look at things that were small. <laughs> we wanted a couple small little locations, fun, intimate, 
conceptual. And man, did we pivot. Yeah, how did that but happen? This space. So we were looking at a location, and the broker, when they found out it was Avi and myself working together, they got really excited, and they're like, mm. I got something I want to show you. And we're like, can we just look at this little space? They're like, yes, but I still got something I want to show you. And when they first told us about, you know, the idea, they didn't have a concept. They just had a, a blank slate of a space. And we got there and we were like, shit. Like, mm-hmm. it's massive. There's a lot to it. But it started to check a lot of boxes that we were looking to do with spaces and multiple spaces, like putting it into one. So it, it kind of worked out in a serendipitous way where you're like, oh, fuck it. <laughs> Let's go for it. Yeah, you jumped in two feet to a big project, man. That's, yeah. So how has it been juggling that and your other responsibilities? <laughs> you know, some days it's definitely easier than others. The last couple of weeks have been extra chaotic. I think a lot of worlds are just colliding. Mm-hmm. At Ordinary, every summer we launch like a kind of like a little bit of a cerebral concept where we do a themed event for an extended period of time. So July through the end of November, every year we pick something and we kind of change the decor in the space to mirror, change menus, like to partner with friends. Mm-hmm. So like years past, we've done themes like Twin Peaks, Vintage Carnivals. Last year was Wes Anderson movies. This year we went after uh, the game slash movie of Clue. So cool. Which has been really fun. Yeah. So each room has like a different feel to it. You know, I got to work with Jamie Jones, who she's dope as shit. And I literally bought these massive chalkboards for her years ago. And mm-hmm. I'm really excited that she still does chalk for us because she doesn't do it for anybody else. Literally, I think I, I think of ideas that are weird enough to where she would be happy to continue to work on them. <laughs> and every year, she's, she's super pumped and it's great. We partnered with Elm City Games where we're going to launch like a little fun interactive game throughout the space like while you're dining you could look at the menu and look around at art oh, and cool. there'll be like a monthly whodunit type of thing <gasps> um, oh my god are you doing like dinner theater <laughs> no it's I'm like more kidding. like super simple like we'll hide shit throughout the space we'll hide so you don't have to, like wander all over and like intrude other people's service but like you could look at the menu you could look at the artwork you can yeah. look in different locations uh I bought mannequins a year ago <laughs> and fashionista, a local thrift store, like every pop-up she comes and like dresses them up and changes them throughout. So right now there's like a Mrs. Peacock mm. and a Colonel Mustard. Cool. Yeah, it's super fun. So that launched this past Wednesday. We had our first cocktail week meeting with the brands got to meet the venues, which you know, mm-hmm. you were there for it. Thank you. It's like everything the last couple of weeks just kind of came crashing together. Mm-hmm. So that's been chaos the new project there's always something right we've been working with one fire marshal for two and a half years since the beginning of this concept and now he's out on medical leave right when we need him to sign off and he hasn't taken notes on anything (gasps) the next person in line i have a good relationship and she's on two weeks vacation and then like the third and fourth person in line i've never had to deal with and they have no idea what's going on so they're walking the space for the first time when we're like at the sign off period which is always a good time Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, so there's just like... Every, <laughs> yeah, hey, oh, New Haven is a fun city to work I feel with. like it's every city, though. You know, for the most part, like I get along with most of them. And I have great relationships. Like Before I even signed the lease on the building, I brought the health department in to walk the space. Mm-hmm. I brought the fire department in to walk the space. The building department in to walk the space. Uh, the mayor and I don't speak any longer. Oh. We had a public We had a public falling out, and he doesn't show up. I'm very curious to see if he'll come to the ribbon cutting. Because he's literally pulled his names off of charity events that I'm at. Wait, wait, so wait. What do you mean by public calling out? Like, it wasn't just like a disagreement? We had a... <laughs> no, I told him to go in the corner and take a timeout because he's acting like a child in front of a room full of people. Is this at one of your bars? At one of your places? No, this is at like a public hearing that we had. Stop. We had a... Nah, man, he was at a line. And I've known him for a while. I helped him when he was an alder. I asked him a very clear question about how... If the city had a budget for the funds that the, you know, that the government gave each state, then funneled it down to each city because New Haven yeah. got a big chunk of money. So I was asking if he had any sort of plan for how that funds were going to get allocated throughout the city and if there was anything for the restaurant industry as a whole. Because they're always asking for things for us for free and like riding sure. what we do. And, yeah. But they always just don't. They just don't look. Give, like they don't pay attention to us when we would need something like during COVID. So I asked him a question and he didn't have the answer and he started to like raise his voice. So I stood up very calmly and was like, 
I don't know who you think you're talking to. Like, if you raise your voice again, this conversation is going to take a serious turn. Like, I asked you a question. If you don't have the answer, let me know when you're going to have an answer for me. And if you continue to act this way, I think you need to go sit in the corner because you're acting like a child. So he what stopped is he, talking. What does he think? He's the mayor of Gotham City or something? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Just my God. <laughs> Wait, isn't New Haven known as Gotham City? <laughs> it's kind New of. New Haven? Yeah, yeah. And then I got into it with economic development and whatever else. Well, but. you're you're notoriously affable as a person, Tim. You get along with everybody. I do not even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was gonna have to Google that word. So uh, no, I was gonna say you you you're known for getting along with everyone. <laughs> you talking shit? I can't tell. I am talking shit. I'm only talking shit. All right, so uh-huh. listeners, I'm talking shit because I've known Tim for a while. And I, I have a good relationship with you. I've always had a good relationship with you because I'm not, I don't, sure. I'm not full of shit. But, um, you know, I could, I, I think other people have different opinions and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they do. Yeah. You know, it's always funny when I hear, like, I went into a, a space well, like a month or so ago and there was like managers of a distributor, which I won't say, talking to other people about me being very difficult and I never see it but I get it right like I'm super easy I don't ask for shit like I don't have a handout for things but at the same time like I expect a very specific or certain level of service that we're paying for like repair bills on time I mean early right like our industry there's terms and instead of stretching terms I pay it the same week that they come in and so when like things are needed on their end to do their job because I did their job for years like mm-hmm. and it doesn't go well I could see how I'm the fucking nightmare to deal with <laughs> but it doesn't start that way right because if I ask a question that I think is reasonable and don't get a response that I like then I become a little maybe Ornery. not so easy Ornery. yeah I don't know what the word would be but no I don't I don't think the most part I just I think like listen as a business owner you have to decide like what you expect from a service provider and it, you get it or you don't. And there's plenty of other companies that you can buy things from. So I, it's I simple shit too. Point. Sure. I feel like people have just, um, I don't know if it's our phones have ruined us, but I think people have just literally forgotten how to interact with other human beings properly. I think we're so used to, um, yeah. viewing things and experiencing things that everyone gets uh, forgets like how to be a good person and how to also like compromise, how to like, you know, that not everything is someone pulling the wool over your eyes. Sometimes people are just who they are and you know, it's, it's dim, it's dismal, but um, that's why we have jobs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the booze business. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Oh man, you're not wrong. It's true. Should I will say like, as much as, you know, you give to the industry, it's also a lot of me a lot. Like, I was not an individual who did well in school or anything of those. Actually, it, I didn't really go to school much. Well, let's talk so about I, that. Let's talk uh, about your, let's start from the beginning. Let's, uh, oh <laughs> let's hear your, we want to hear your origin story, Tim. My origin story. Well... My first job, I was 12 years old and I started washing dishes at like a little local breakfast lunch spot where the individual was a friend of my family. Mom got hurt, needed to get a job to help out. It was a good, it was like a walk to it, it was close. So I started working to help out with bills and things around the house. From there, I did that for a little while. I did that for a while actually, I worked with him for a while and he wound up, the gentleman who I worked for wound up opening up chips years later which talk about a success story. Like he came here from Greece with absolutely nothing, speaking no language. He recently passed away from a crazy brain tumor that came on out of nowhere. But like rags to riches story, like nobody's business. Like I used George throughout the years of, you know, would George be tired type of mentality? Cause mm-hmm. that fucker just pushed his way through life. And I remember the first time he bought a Ferrari, I asked him why and he's like, Tim, cause I can. He's like, I came here, I had to borrow $500 from a friend of the family to buy my first car to get to the first job washing dishes. Now I can buy myself a Ferrari. He's like, I'll keep it for a little while until I get bored and I'll sell it. But I just, I wanted to do it because I could. And he didn't have kids or anything like that. So his life was very different. But I would, he was my first 
boss and years later he tried to get me to open chips with him and the fucker would like throw these crazy deals at me because he knew I wasn't passionate about that side of the industry like I don't even need eggs so he would make the <laughs> offers harder and harder over the years Wait, just trying to like get me to say that, no that breakfast lunch the place, breakfast right? place yeah 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 okay. yeah how many are there he created an empire of last I saw there was like five or six but he also has like this Greek fast casual concept and yeah the fucker made an empire off of pancakes <laughs> like what he created was so like so inspiring but uh from there I wound up doing a little bit more in the breakfast lunch place and then I lied about my age at 15 and moved to Block Island for a summer got an apartment got three jobs like kind of fell into the industry that way like literally me and my mom were like arguing one night and I was like you know what I'm out of here and she was like good go and when she went to bed I called a taxi took a taxi to the train took a train to the ferry and slept on the beach for two days until I got an apartment and then got a job as a bar back, a prep cook, and a like slash dishwasher at two locations on the island and made a shit ton of money. At fifteen I was making like fifteen to two grand a week, which was fantastic. I had my own place. I got into every bar on the island, so like, mm. you know, I was having a good time. Instead of going back to my junior year of high school, I showed up at probably like October. Like I called my principal, who I was friends with at the time, and was like, "Hey, you were friends with your principal." Like, <laughs> yeah, like if there wasn't phones and cameras and shit back then, like yeah. I think about this all the time. Like I'll run into a teacher from back in the day. That, like we would have all been in jail. Yeah, like, I used to go to the instead of going to class, we'd go grab lunch and we'd go to the bar, and like I would just go there until I was getting ready to go to work because I didn't really go to school that much. Mm. So I called Rita and I was like, "Hey, like I'm gonna be late for school." She's like, "Tim, it's eleven o'clock. You're already late for school." I was like, "No, like." I'm going to be late, late. Like, I'll be there middle of October. Like, I'm just making too much money right now. And, like, she's like, all right, no worries. I'll take care of it when you get in. That would never happen today. No, oh my, everybody in jail, like, shattered my left ankle. So I was out for about eight months. And when I came back, I got a job at a yacht club in Milford. And the gentleman, Tom Vincey, was, like, the first person to kind of, like, take me under his wing. Like, I always worked. Like, I always had, like, a, a natural hustle when it came to work not to school um so for whatever reason it was myself and these two other older gentlemen who were behind the bar for years like I just like they latched on to me and like like all right this is what you're gonna do you're gonna do what we do which was smoke cigars drink martinis drink big reds and eat all this like I had prime rib like three times a week (laughs) and I think it was like 16 at this time oh my god so he took me under his wing and started to like teach me about hospitality as a whole and he was an individual that like lived and died by it Mm -hmm. very elaborate very like he just had like a a very good eye for design and layout and he was amazing with individuals but not in a very I think a lot of my style of service has come from his and an individual because he would talk shit and swear but do it in a way where nobody even understood that it was happening Mm mm-hmm Right, so it would be like this formal like black tie event, and he would be like talking some slick shit, and everybody would be loving it up. So, I understood at a young age where I didn't have to be like this ass kissing, like mm-hmm. polished style of service. I could be myself, and talk shit with people, and they almost appreciated it more. Like there was this one individual I'll never forget him, Steve Lennon. I'm 17 years old, and his stick was he loved to make like managers and servers and bartenders like cry. He was such a dick because it was a members <laughs> club, right? So everybody felt like they owned it. Jesus. So I, I was probably just there for a few months at this time, and he's like re- leaning into some like poor girl who was new. And I walked over and I took the bottle out of her hand, and I was like, "Steve, go fuck yourself." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "I'm a, I was small, like I was a skinny little shit of a kid." And there's six people at a table, him and three, uh, two other couples, and him and his wife and two other couples. And he looked at me and he's like, "Tim, do you know how long I've been waiting for somebody to go tell me, tell me to go fuck myself here?" I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm so rude to these people and nobody stands up for themselves. I'm like, first of all, you're an asshole. Yeah. But like, I have no idea why somebody hasn't told you this sooner. And then his whole attitude changed. I wound up going out in the boat with him and his family all the time. And he was mm-hmm. like, great to everybody. He was like, I just wanted somebody to like not take my shit because I'm a member. And I was like, that's the worst mm-hmm. thing I've ever heard. Rich assholes got a rich asshole. But at that point, <laughs> oh my God. And then from there, I moved to Vermont when I was 17, and I managed a ski resort. Like, a, there was like a, it's like a sports complex that had a bar, a restaurant, pool, tennis courts. 
I wound up getting a job managing this because I wanted to like snowboard and work in the industry but at the same course. time. Like snowboarding, yeah. snowboarding was what I really wanted to do, but I also was passionate about restaurants. Mm-hmm. So I did that for a year, moved to Colorado for a while, and then moved out to Tahoe for a while. Like I would just line up jobs where I wanted to snowboard, but I would keep coming back for short periods of time and leaving again to like help my mom out. You realize that you did more between like 13 and 17 than like most people do in their 20s. And I think, I, I think this is one of the reasons that like I've connected with you is that we have very similar like backstories, like starting work really young, being really like independent, supporting yourself. And I feel like, um, I think that's why maybe you don't take shit from people and you, you're like, your expectations are very high is because when you start with absolutely nothing and you've had to like figure shit out on your own and make a living with no support system, you figure out how to do stuff and you know it's possible to do it and do it well. So when people kind of half-ass stuff, it's like really frustrating because it's like you're wasting my time and everyone else's with your whatever this version of work is that you're doing right now. And I think, you know, I think that explains a lot about you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I also learned that I didn't have to no, no matter what age, I didn't have to take shit from people just to take it. Like, when I first moved out to Tahoe, I think I was eight, 19 years old. And, you know, I was talking to these people before I moved there. And I get there, and they see this young shit of a kid. And then they see my resume, and they think I'm full of shit. And I was like, totally get it. I was like, here's the deal. Like, you were my first choice. I have three other interviews lined up. I said, call references. You have to the end of the day. If not, I'm going to take one of the other ones. Like, you're the only reason why I want this job is because I really want to ski. I want to snowboard your mountain. Like, squat was one of my reasons to move to Tahoe and mm-hmm. to get, like, free passes and all the other stuff. Hell yeah. I, that's the only reason why you're ahead of my list. I said, but the other ones have already made me good offers. So, like, and they're looking at me like, what the fuck? You're, like, this, like, I think I had, like, dyed blonde hair at this point. Like, mm-hmm. just this little shit of a kid. And, like, none of it would make sense on paper. And I totally get it. Like, somebody came to me with that right now. but like. What? First of all, most of it's illegal. Like, child labor laws do exist for some reason. Um, but then they, I was like, they want to call me back like an hour later, and they're like, we want you to come back, and we'll give you, you know, this position instead. I was like, no, thank you. And then they gave me what I wanted. Like, I was just very calm about it. So I learned at a young age, like, I, if, I wouldn't work at a place that I didn't want to work at. And I learned a lot at a lot of different places. And then later on, I took a break and got into, like, the distributor side of things but when I came back from California I, I opened up uh, I actually members of the yacht club they opened up a restaurant on the water in Stratford that they were having a hard time with it was very busy and they were struggling with getting it in line so I went to there and I took that on for about two years and I helped them or a year and a half got it to where I wanted to go and then left and went and did that with a couple other locations so I find I kind of found like a little niche for myself with helping places that needed help mm-hmm. from like a consulting aspect and i would actually one of our mutual friends pink pete he uh when i was younger he was the bartender at my uh my local bar that i started going to when i was 15 mm-hmm. and when i would get a job contract i would bring it to him to help me look at it mm-hmm. and i remember clear as day the first contract where i got that i was making more money with him he told me he would no longer help me Mm-hmm. I was like, you fucker, but what do you think about this? He's like, no, you no, you do it, you're you're fine. Leave me yeah, alone. You don't need my he help. He wouldn't help obviously. me look at it. <laughs> he wouldn't help me with my contracts anymore after that. Aww. But um he, and now and now how the tables are t- have turned. Now he's trying to sell you things. <laughs> uh, yeah. In, in a very Pete way though. <laughs> you better buy Pete a lot from Pete. You better buy a lot from him. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Will you tell our listeners a little bit about your approach towards hospitality, like what you think um, you do differently and, um, you know, maybe your philosophy towards it and why it's better? I wouldn't say it's better or that I do it differently. I'd say our focus is definitely being part of a community. I remember one of my partners, Jason, years ago when he was at Casius and I helped him run Casius, I heard him tell somebody that sustainability is more than recycling. And that really resonated with me because I always thought it and felt it, but I never had the verbiage to put it that way. And, and that stuck out with me in a, in a way that was real because like I was always a part of, it was always very part of me to like be able to be in this industry and do good, whether it's being involved with charities or being involved in the community or, or whatever it would be, just because our industry can be very debaucherous at times. So I wanted to have a balance. Mm-hmm. So with opening up Ordinary, one of my main goals was always to have like a healthy space, whether it's a healthy and safe space, right? Like we just didn't tolerate from the beginning a lot of the bullshit. So we haven't had a lot of the bullshit. And then on the flip side of it, there's a big responsibility on our team that comes with giving an individual who chooses to come in the experience that we want to. And I think choosing is a very good word because especially now, like money is harder. Like everybody's stressed out. The world's fucked up. Like, Mm -hmm. so if somebody's making a choice to come into our location, I've always greatly appreciated it. And I really wanted to make sure that we give them the best version of us. Now, do we all the time? No, of course we're going to miss. But when we first started 10 years ago, we had a very different direction and where we wanted to go. Like Richter's was a very, Richter's was before ordinary, was a very iconic bar in New Haven, 
so everybody had a preconceived notion of what it was or their favorite seat or mm-hmm. their what they drank when they were there. And we were, I remember when we first opened, one gentleman who came once a week was like, can I sit in this seat right here? I was like, as long as nobody else is, I don't mm-hmm. mind where you sit, mm-hmm. Alan. Like, I'm happy you come in every week. And, you know, we had to like, I always like to reference the old and like kind of like bring in the, the new type of mentality, like respect what it once was and make that a part of who we are. Like even the new location on we're in Worcester Street, which is an iconic, an iconic Italian neighborhood with the pizza row of the world. So we have to respect that with our what we're offering rather than just coming in being dick saying we're the best at what we do. <laughs> Let people talk about what we do because we're gonna be proud of what we put out and with mm-hmm. that comes education, it comes hospi- like, you know, hospitality. So I guess my version of hospitality is being mindful of individuals and it doesn't just extend to the customer it extends to the the team that we all work with too one thing i think you guys do really well though is that community piece and i think that's um very much uh you know indicative of the new york new haven cocktail week um you know you're 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 only going to be really successful if your community is successful like if you want to be known in a place as having a great uh, bar, restaurant, whatever, it's it's better if like the actual city that you're in is known for that too because then it becomes more of a destination sure. for people. Um, but I think that that's, that's something I really respect about um, New Haven Cocktail Week is that how inclusive it is and how it's trying to like give um, and other establishments an opportunity to participate in that conversation, network, skill share, yeah. like learn more about brands, education, um, if yeah, I would recommend to the listeners to check out go on go online and check out New Haven Cocktail Week. But it's very cool; they do it every year. It's a very big undertaking, um, but I think it's a it's a missed opportunity that other cities yeah. don't do more of that as well. It's definitely a full time job. I mean, one <laughs> of the things that always stood out to me was uh, people always like whenever a new restaurant's opening or you know people are looking at the city as a whole like. I would always welcome them in and be like, hey, let's do an event together. Like, I've helped new restaurants, like, raise money to open their restaurants. And people would always be like, what are you doing? Like, that's competition. I'm like, no, it's not. Like, we are our own competition. Mm -hmm. It is our job to be better every day, not because of what our neighbor is doing or the person down the block is doing or who potentially might be coming in is doing. Like, that's our job. Mm -hmm. I said, if we have this community that's dope and we're all helping each other out and I throw this event that's helping them raise awareness or money or welcoming to the city, like, who do you think they're going to tell their customers? Where do you think they're going to tell them to go if they had a great night and they want to go to one more place? Mm-hmm. Like, that's just a natural aspect of how it works. And why not? And, like, the more great places there are, you know, even small, you could park, you could walk. Like, mm-hmm. if you could have, like, a night where you go to three, four places and have this fantastic night out with people doing dope shit, like, that's a great story to tell. So why not welcome more people that are doing great things with like-minded products or styles of service or whatever word you want to use so like i've always welcomed it the old world mentality was just like keep what you have you know don't let anybody in Mm -hmm. we have to hold on to every bit of what we can and i just never enjoyed that aspect of the industry like i like being a part of a bigger community i started traveling in the industry probably like nine years ago and getting to getting to see like portland cocktail week run amok, tales, going to different markets to do pop-ups. So that's where like the idea of wanting to do one in New Haven with New Haven Cocktail Week came about where we were sitting at the owl shop having a cigar and came back from an event and I asked a couple friends that also are in the industry that own their own restaurants. Like, what do you guys think about trying to do this in our city? And everyone's like, yeah, it's a great idea. Like, it's fantastic. It's a lot of work. I'm like, it is. But the city wound up falling in love with it. Like our idea was to bring it to an area, like bring it to the New Haven area in a time where it's the slowest. Like August is always our slowest mm-hmm. month. So we wanted to do in August just to try to like generate business during that time for everybody and like show fun aspects of what it is. I remember one day I was driving down the highway and I saw a billboard, New Haven Cocktail Week. And I've looked into these and they're like 10 grand a pop. And I called my partners like, who the hell just paid 10 grand for a billboard? <laughs> And it wasn't us. It was uh, Market New Haven. They wow. threw it up because they fell in love with the idea of what we're doing first year and they put up the second year. So, like, the city's embraced it. Yeah, it was awesome. And they, they're still involved. And it's it's great. So yeah. the city's in, 
bracelet and it's fun and we get to focus on education. We also help raise money for a local charity. We um, get the community together, both industry and just individuals that are passionate about it. You know, there'll be seminars, there'll be parties, there'll be tastings, there'll be happy hours with, in the plaza with music. And so there, it is a lot of fun. But every year I'm like, shit. Why am I I'm doing behind. this again? Why have I not hired someone to do this? <laughs> yeah, and I'm just behind as always, right? Like I should have gotten you things a lot sooner than I've gotten yeah, them whatever. to you. And well, who cares? It's fine. We're all, well, listen, we're all busy. I, the, well, as the listeners of this podcast know, um, I am very busy. So I totally understand that. Um, I wanted yeah. to ask you just a total, I mean, it's a random hospitality question, but I was reading about, um, you know how Matt Parker and Trey Stone, those guys from South Park, um, are they yeah, just in Colorado? A bunch, yeah, they just done a bunch of money in renovating that really iconic Mexican restaurant. And they are going the yeah, way that has of, like swimming pools and. Yeah, it's, a, it's like supposedly like incredible. Um, but they're going the yeah. way of um, Gramercy Park and uh, or Gramercy Tavern. Like they're doing no tipping, and they're doing. Um, I think it's a thirty dollar an hour base salary for all employees. What are your thoughts on just in the U.S. in general shifting the, I guess the the wages over that way, and and how do you feel about getting rid of tipping? You know, I honestly I go back and forth and. I've consulted on a couple projects outside of Connecticut too, and it's a part of their models. And I, I like and understand both sides. Mm -hmm. And Connecticut is on the chopping block every year that there's two senators that are trying to push through the raising the minimum wage and what have you. You know, I can see both sides of it. The One of the tricky things is... is the, it has to get put on to somewhere. If you raise it to $30 an hour, you know, who absorbs that? Because mm -hmm. our industry, the markups are very small. Like everybody thinks like if you go into a busy restaurant, they're like crushing it and making hand over fist money where the margins just are, are very small overall. Mm -hmm. When you factor in labor, when you factor in, I mean, you go to the grocery store right now, everybody sees how expensive it is to go to the grocery mm -hmm. store. Like that's also getting passed on to restaurants. And right. when you add in you know, the cost of how many people are back there, it's tricky. Like, one of the things that I've seen in markets, like, in Oregon, it, they changed their uh, hourly years ago to much higher for industry. And a lot of restaurants got away with service models, and they went to counter service, and it became very impersonal. And I think it did a disjustice to the industry. So a buddy of mine opened up a restaurant in Corvallis and he did like a tip pool model where he had like this hedonistic idea and he was able to execute it well. And it, like, but he wanted to really make sure that service still thrived because I think that's the best part about our industry. Like, yes, you could go out and you can have an amazing meal, but if you have shitty service, it's still going to resonate with you more than the, the fantastic food that you ate or the fantastic yeah. cocktail that you had. Right? It's like when you go to a farmer's market and you buy a peach from the farmer that grew it like it tastes better because you had an association with the individual and I truly feel like that resonates into our industry mm -hmm. so my only concern with it is like how does one balance out the other I already like at ordinary I already pay our staff much higher than the hourly that's recommended by us mm -hmm. um, because we have to work much harder to educate ourselves and do what we do so I was like it's not just a one-sided ask like by me asking you to work when you're outside of here to educate yourself as an individual I'm also going to pay you more to do so and if that has to go to an even higher place you know does that cost get passed on to consumer mm -hmm. do we still take the tips in and then they go to the house and they get divided I don't know. I I, so, a, I agree with you. I feel like... There's not a simple answer. I know. And I, I feel both sides of it very strongly, too, because I think the current model, people really learn the value of a work ethic because you're really working for the ex creating that experience that equals that end result. But I, the, yeah. the other side of it is, is that our industry folks are notoriously some of the, the least covered by insurance the most overworked sure. hours wise and really kind of like not paycheck to paycheck, but week to week like earners. And yeah. I think if we ever, if, if we want to invest in creating 
um, the industry as a career option that isn't just something you do in the interim, but like a something you can do. You can be like in when the fifties and they had a barman. He was a barman his whole life. It yeah. was a very valued yeah. profession. So if we could create a way that becoming a bar professional or um, a, a server is looked at as a career, you have health insurance. You know what you're going to make every week. Maybe you're going to get more people that are going to care more about their own education and being the best version because that is their their chosen career and they they don't have to worry as much about the other yeah. shoe dropping. And I know that that's hard because I just was in Europe like a month ago and some places you get good service and some places they don't care. And you're just like, I right. have not seen a fucking waiter like in 35 minutes. I don't know. And because there's... You know, yeah. they're, they're making... Because they get it guaranteed regardless. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, but, but... I think there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, yeah, but I think that... I don't know. I think I think there's enough people that are already doing it. Like, I think it's already been proven that there's already enough people doing it with the shit conditions that if you were actually to yeah. improve those conditions for those people that are already very passionate about it, you're going to not only create people that are like long-term loyalty in this profession but maybe giving them i don't know i, I don't it's it's very hard but like and, and yes yeah. where does it get passed on to is there a service charge like at gramercy tavern or, or you know where it literally is just a, a flat rate added on to every check yeah. that the, the the customer is used to paying anyways but instead that is going towards the full establishment because they're paying everybody more money so like people are already used to paying that extra percentage you know, like build it in and then pay people yeah. more money. I mean, I don't know. You know, there's a there's a couple of people in the state that already do that. Like Joel over at Grano mm-hmm. has something similar. Bill Tybee and his group does something similar. Yep. We'll have a small percentage added onto the check that goes to the back of house of the new restaurant. Great. We've been working with Bill on how he does it and logistics of it just so we could help offset that. Um, the tricky thing is, too, it's also, you know, space to space and with any industry the people that do good thrive the people that are shitty they'll either take advantage of individuals and that's kind of where the things come from mm. like there's a group of people from the CRI they were going around interviewing people about this to see what they get like you know like last night my guys made $50 an hour they were out by one they can go get a drink afterwards so like our quality of life is a little bit different and they absolutely do not want the change if you go to a place that's a shitty and hostile work environment and you're not making money or somebody's stealing your money or whatever mm-hmm. the word or verbiage you want to use is, you know, that's where a lot of this comes down the pipeline from. Mm-hmm. But I would, he, one of the, the senators was talking to an individual and he worked at this one restaurant for 25 years, raised his family, owns three houses, and he's a, he's been a waiter for 25 years. And he's like, yeah, I make one hundred and seventy-five to $200,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And five days and I've been doing this forever he's like I absolutely do not want a minimum wage increase that's going to offset that for me yeah but there's not as many and then you talk guys. to somebody around the corner sure and this is this is the swing of what's hard in our industry and like how do you regulate it because you know in one breath you're going to help some and the other you're going to really hurt others I mean we can make the analogy that the, that guy is the one percent <laughs> He truly, because there are, I mean, I, listen, I bartended for years and I worked in places where I made a shitload of money. And then I know other people who don't make as much money waiting tables or you look at, oh my God, sure. like a diner. I've always said like, do you know how many tables you have to turn to make a living in a fucking diner? Like Jesus Christ, yeah. people even six bucks and their shitty kids left a gigantic mess under the table. You know what I mean? You're no. <laughs> like, get out of here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's very imbalanced too. I don't know. I just, I always tip so much higher at a diner for that extreme, that exact reason. Oh my God. I just yeah. love tipping 50% of the bill in a diner. Cause I'm like, it's already cheap Yeah. and they could use the money. Yeah. Probably I agree with you. this place. Oh. Well, I'm sorry to like go down yeah. this rabbit hole. I know there's no answer, but I was, I was wondering what you thought about that. I'm not a, Opposed or for it necessarily so like I fall in a neutral place just and not to try to escape it but just because I see both sides of it sure that makes sense you know like a space like ordinary is very small like our for what our square footage is like our rent is ridiculous sure. like we don't want to be a place that has all $20 cocktails and you know our kitchen is tiny so like to up it even and again you know we're like five dollars over the average of what we need to be if we were to go higher, like it would, it has to get passed to somebody. Yeah. 
whether it gets included in the check or whether we become that place that's 20 or I don't, I don't, I don't have an easy answer for it. So I like, they just passed it in DC. So I've been talking to friends down there and mm -hmm. how it's going and how it's being received. You know, Seattle and Oregon did it years ago. So I, I keep in contact with them a lot to see how it goes. I met with Danny Meyer when he was opening up Shake Shack in New Haven and we sat down and had a very deep conversation of the what and why, like he shifted our industry for so many reasons outside mm -hmm. of, that with changing like the work week and healthcare and bringing people up and from within so i always do like to have the conversation when i can when there's people that i respect and how they handled it or if they were in the front of it or if they've adapted their model after it was introduced to them so it's something i'm very aware of and i haven't had a, a very simple this is what and how we're going to do it yeah yeah. You know, some places pooling, like ordinary is a pool house, but that doesn't work in everywhere. It's, you know, we don't have a high turnover. Everybody's a part of the program. Mm -hmm. Like everybody understands what we need to do. So it's an easy ask and it's a smaller staff. Mm -hmm. The new space, you know, we have 30s. We had a staff meeting on Tuesday. There was 36 employees. Like that's a, you know, people can fall through the cracks a lot easier and not pull the wrong way. And they all have to believe in what it is. So like it could take, a goal would be to get there in a year, but I don't think we could open with a pooling house there mm -hmm. to start. But we could add a surcharge for back of house and things of that nature. Because it is something we have to be very mindful of. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, people are always going to complain about something, no matter what you do. So, Do you have um, any advice for, um, I don't know, young professionals in the restaurant hospitality industry looking to build a career? You know, that's actually really funny. You said that there was a gentleman who came into the bar last night him and his wife super nice couple and uh he pulled me aside and he was like you know is this he was his first time there and he was like is this your place i was like it is he's like oh i'm thinking of opening a place too i was like are you in the industry he's like no i never have been yeah. i just grabbed I, I put my hand on his shoulder and i was like don't, do don't. don't do it. he was like what do you mean and i was like i'm kind of kidding but at the same time like i'm guessing you like to go out you and your friends like to have a good time do you like to have people over your house cook and make cocktails I was like yeah i love it I was like, it's not that. Like, there's so much more that goes into it. Like, what I would recommend is, like, any places that you like to go to or you're friendly with the owner, like, talk to them about it. Talk to them about what their day looks like. I said, like, my day started at 7.30 this morning. And the fucking nightmare of a morning that I had before I had to come here, and I'll be here till 1.30 in the morning, like, I don't know about your life, but do you want to do that every day? Mm -hmm. I said, I love what I do. I said, don't get me wrong. I've been doing it my whole life. It's given me a good life. I got to travel. I've met amazing people. Like, I wouldn't do it any differently. I said, but it's not for everybody. So just really do your homework on what it is before you throw a ton of money into a space. Mm -hmm. and, I, and then I was like, I came back like five minutes later. I was like, I hope I didn't shit on your dreams. Like, I'm not trying to scare <laughs> the shit out of you. Like, it's totally doable. It's a, you could have a great life with it. But just go into it with your eyes wide open. Like, I'm not trying to... I was like, I didn't mean to just, like, dump all of that on no. you. But you asked me a question, so I gave you an answer. Well, you're being realistic, um, man. And there's too many of those people. Uh, dude, I meet those people all the time that think, like... You know, oh, they yeah. hear what I do for a living. And they're like, how did, how did you get that job? How can I get that job? And I'm like, I don't know, 20 yeah. years of experience? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not that fucking easy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My buddy George, who I was just telling you about from Chips, he made massive amount of money off of pancakes he decided he wanted to open up a fine dining greek mediterranean restaurant in west hartford and he called me up i was like what are you doing like why do you want this headache like why it's nothing like you've ever done before you're dumping a shit ton of money into a space to get it to what you want it to be staffing is going to be a nightmare you have no experience when it comes to the style of service like why you don't need it and he closed it in a year lost a ton of money and whatever else and i'm just like he just wanted to have that status yeah he was always known yeah. as the pancake guy like, I can and, do more you than know pancakes. he liked the finer things in life <laughs> like yeah like he you know he's he when we go out he drinks his hundred dollar of poor whiskeys he yeah. smokes what he smokes and like he just likes the finer things so he wanted to have that part of it and then afterwards he called me up he's like you're so fucking right. Do you want this place? I was like, no, I didn't like it from the beginning. Like, never mind the location, the layout, what you had to put into it. Like, no. Nope. But nope. some people just see a certain thing and they just, they want that attention to them. I'm not a person that likes attention to begin with. So well, because we're, I didn't we're, care about any of that. What is that? What is the thing in Willy Wonka? He's like, we're the music makers. So we're, we're the people that make it 
create the illusion, right? The illusion yeah. is so attractive. It's why people go out because they like to wrap themselves up in it and they have this great experience and then they think, I want this. I want to do this. This is, this is great. But yeah. they don't realize that there's a fucking curtain there. They're seeing oh what's on the God, stage. Yeah. They're not seeing what's behind it. And like in the back, we're all we're all like sweaty and swearing at each other and fucking, you know, oh, <laughs> like, yeah. like having seen friends or family or yeah. what it does to relationships totally or different. if you have kids, you don't get to like be a part of them growing Who up. Are they? Like, for most of my life, I didn't see my family unless they came to where I worked. Yeah. Yes. Like, it's only now that I could take a little bit more time and like now I could do some of these things. because I have a little bit more time yep. until the new place opens, yeah. but I've been trying to jump on that as much as I can. And like, so, I mean, you give up a lot in our industry. You know, our hours are when everybody else is with family and friends going out. Mm -hmm. So, like, our lives are complete opposite from a good chunk of the world that's out there. So that's the other thing that people just don't see. I have friends I haven't seen in forever, and I literally was just texting with one of them, like, where she was joking. She's like, well, maybe we'll see each other one day. And and, and it's yeah. true, though, because, like, when I work, she's not working, and when she's I'm not working, yeah. she's working. And it's, I think that's the, when I went from restaurant industry to distribution and I had weekends off for the first time in oh, 15 yeah. years where I, I mean, I occasionally did tastings and stuff, but in general, my evenings were my own. My, I didn't know what the fuck to do with myself, honestly. Oh, uh, it's so, yeah, it's so wild. You feel strange going into a place on a Friday night and not working. You're like, oh shit, should I be working right now? This is weird. Also the Friday and Saturday night crowd is so different. Oof. We call it the bridge and tunnel night. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's awful. We're like, I'd much rather go out in the early in the week oh, yeah. anyways. So I had that same type of thing when I went to the distributor side of the world. I was like, this is, this is weird. Yeah. This is non-industry people I won't understand it. this, but like when a, a like a industry person goes out to a busy Friday or Saturday night, and that's like when you go out and think it's fun and it's like busy, like oh, we it's hate stressful. it. It's stressful. I oh want a quiet restaurant. I want like when you go into a place, you go, oh, it's dead in here. Perfect. That's it for me. Yeah. I love it. I want to sit at the bar. I want to talk to the person right. working. I don't want people hitting my chair every fucking two seconds. Right. <laughs> Or it. like they haven't answered the phone. I want to go get it for them. Or those tables haven't been flipped and I could see people waiting. Mm -hmm. Or those people standing there don't know where to go to talk to somebody. I want to be like, hey, just go talk to that yeah. person right there. Like I can't turn that shit off yeah. and it's hard. So I don't think there's I'd an equivalent. Rather, that's why I also go, I don't, I don't know. There's no equivalent I, for yeah. any other job. Oh, well, mm, maybe if you work with kids and then you're not working and you're at a playground. <laughs> <laughs> you're like i want to police these children huh. but like i didn't think of that yeah i don't know what other equivalent there would be uh oh, oh actually there's one other one which is worse which is if you're a doctor anywhere you go if someone's like is there a doctor here <laughs> you're instantly working <laughs> and you're fucked yeah oh, i feel yeah. bad for them like in an airplane or an airport you're like god damn it i just want to eat my fucking dunkin donuts <laughs> you put your head down and it's like yes oh, it's, fuck it's me, me. Give yeah. this guy chest compressions at 5 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess like it's not that bad to be yeah. a restaurant person. <laughs> right. Could be but I mean, what we do is fun and it's exciting. and Sometimes. I mean, I love what we do and I love what we're a part of. Yeah. And, you know, like last night was a night where there were so many like fun customers and that makes such a big difference. Where like just the pace of the night was good. It was steady from the time we opened our doors. Mm -hmm. Customers that were coming in were in like a good mood. I think they were coming out of the crazy ass heat and it was like dark mm -hmm. and cold and ordinary. So like they're happy about that. We launched a new concept, so people were excited. So like it was just like a fun night when it came to that. There were some service components that made it stressful. Mm -hmm. But like the interaction last night was great. You were in and your like, flow. Yeah, and I get distracted from work with work, which is yeah. nice. Like I didn't have to think about all the other thousand things that I needed to do for like that shift. I was just on the floor and I was running and having a good time and I get to interact with people in a way that I don't always get to do anymore, right? Now I'm like fighting with contractors all day or the city or whoever else. Like last night I just got to like have fun and talk about the exciting new menu that we just launched yeah. or the partnerships that we worked on with it or well, So that's it's a why you're for doing me, it like that's like a little like yeah, a little reprieve from all of the other shit. So. Yeah, but it's why you got into the business in the first place. It's you get to be in those moments and enjoy that aspect of it. Like, that's that's the fun part. Yeah, I still have customers that come see me from the yacht club I worked at when I was 17. Aww. Like, it's so, like, you, you form families. Like, yeah. one of the hardest things about New Haven is people come in for, like, 
a lot of three year stints. Mm-hmm. Like we just a couple just moved back to Houston two weeks ago, and like they got married in Mexico a month ago, and like they had a drink named after me at their wedding because of Aww. like the time that they spent in New Haven, and like I had no idea of this is happening. Then they're like sending pictures, and like what is that? It's my name on a fucking like what is that? Like so like you become a p- part of people's lives. So you asked me before, we're like a part of hospitality. We look for that you try to make a difference where you can like Mm -hmm. it's not about i hate fucking ego like i don't like the term mixologist like Mm. you mentioned barman like a barman as a trade is one of the truest like oldest trades that there is and you're part of truly part of the community right you're part of people's lives Mm -hmm. you interact with them at an intimate level at times where like you know what they have going on or you know what they need at that moment so like that's the part of hospitality that i love Mm -hmm. the arrogance and ego is what i don't have any patience for People ask me all the time, like, what should I get? Like, what's the best drink on the menu? I'm like, it doesn't matter what I think. Like, talk to me about what you like. What spirits are you looking for? You know, Mm -hmm. do you want something that's refreshing? Do you want something that's boost forward? Like, where do you want me to take you? And I promise I'll help get you there. But if you ask me what I would drink right now, I would just sip on a fucking whiskey. Like, I don't think, is that what you like? No? Okay, well then, you got to give me something. Like, because it's not about me. Mm. Like, you came here, so it's about you and your night. Mm -hmm. So let me help you on that. Let me but. guide you. I like how we've taken this yes. this um, this conversation. We started very dark, and we've gone very positive. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we have that that impact on each other, Tim. Uh, like, there's still a little, there's still a little darkness. No, there's no, still no. a little darkness. No, no. Though. We started more negative, and now we're ending more positive, which is great. I think I have that effect on you, so you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, what else? Wait, I don't know which part of that though. What. I'll think about that later. <laughs> the darkness or the other aspect? No, I don't have a dark a dark effect on you. I have a positive impact. Oh, okay. I'm oh, a I'm a, a shining light. Um, what else? What else shining we got to talk light. about? Is that it? Um, I'm excited for your new place opening. You got that going on. Um, anything you want to tell our listeners about or anything to check out? This will come out this week. Um, so. Oh really? Yeah. Shit. Then I would say. Check out Ordinary, what we have going on. Super fun, clue-inspired pop-up. So the menu's going to be changing. We'll be launching new stuff with that. Uh, stay tuned for Joya. You could go to Joya, G-I-O-I-A-N-H-V on Instagram. And more stuff should be coming out on that soon. Hopefully, I'll pass it off to the social media person because I hate being in control of that. Uh, New Haven Cocktail Week. We actually saw our opening event at New Haven Cocktail Week is at Joya, the Spirits Ball. Awesome. And the other day, Ben sent me a text. He's like, we sold 18 tickets as soon as it went live. I was like, fuck, we're not even open yet. So it's either inside or in the parking lot, but we're going to have a party at Joya for the event. Carnival situation. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, Working on some new menu ideas for Torino and Barpina and Hartford. So there's lots of fun things happening. So I would definitely... Check out all of them, and if anybody is listening, feel free to reach out with questions or say hello. I'm super excited. I got to listen to Jill's. Yeah. I love how you just, like, insulted my podcast, if anyone's listening to this. (laughs) No, that would want to reach out to me, not listening to your podcast, fucker. If anybody No, if anybody listening wants to reach out with questions about any of the things, not your podcast, I know. I'm just fucking with you. (laughs) Whatever. Whatever. Um, well, you're the best. Thank you for doing this. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. Of course. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love 
my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.